Okay, here we go. So welcome everybody to the next CESEC podcast and I'm delighted to have such a big group here around me and we were just talking about it. We're sitting in uh, four different time zones. It's really crazy. I have three authors of a study here which is called Can Metal Artifact Reduction Sequence Magnetic Resonance Imaging Help in the Diagnosis of Periprosthetic Shoulder Infection? And I have these three authors here. The first author is Prashant Meshram, and uh, he's right now in the OrthoCure Medical Center in Dubai. But he was, while doing the study, a fellow in the Johns Hopkins Medical Institute in Baltimore in the USA. And uh, also I have from the same department, uh, Professor Edward McForland. He's professor of orthopedic surgery and the director of the Division of Shoulder Surgery in the Johns Hopkins Medical Institute. And I have also Jan Fritz, Dr. Jan Fritz here. He's right now at the NYU Department of uh, Radiology and he's the chief of this department and he's a specialist for musculoskeletal imaging. And he was also, while during the study at the Johns Hopkins University. So these guys know each other from Johns Hopkins. And with me on my side, our CESEC expert, Professor Carlos Torrens from the Hospital del Mar in Barcelona in Spain is with me. My name is Robert Hudek. I'm shoulder and elbow surgeon from Hamburg in Germany. And uh, I would like to uh, start with the uh, first uh, question, Prashant. Uh, this sounds really interesting. And all of us know that uh, MRI is very well for um, diagnosing infections, just to have a look on it, how it looks, if it, is, it looks infectious. But once you have an implant in the joint, MRI doesn't work. But you did that. And um, can you give us a, a comprehensive summary of what you did in this study? Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Robert Hudek and Dr. Carlos, uh, for inviting us on behalf of all the authors. Uh, we are very happy and very honored uh, to be featured in this column of uh, SCCC. Uh, our study basically originated with the problem that the diagnosis of periprosthetic shoulder infection is such an enigma for the shoulder surgeons and orthopedic surgeons equally. The main problem with shoulders, as they are different than knees and hips, is that, uh, first of all, they, they present very ambiguously. When the patient comes to us, with uh, they, the, the only complaint they have is painful uh, shoulder uh, with an arthroplasty. So any, anything could be a cause. To rule out infection is really tough because these patients do not really have the usual typical signs of infection like fever, discharging sinus. That's extremely rare in the clinical practice. So uh, also the investigations, the blood investigations, ESR, CRP are usually normal. Uh, we also see that the regular MRIs, sometimes they show loose things, sometimes uh they they have uh, they really have uh, a, a lot of uh, con concrete evidence to say that this is infection or not another thing which uh, which is different from knees and hips uh, from shoulder arthroplasty is that knees and hips uh, have uh, when you do aspiration for them the results are actually take you closer to in isolating an organism either uh, or uh, telling you that whether it's an infection or not But in shoulders, what we found, at least in our experience at Johns Hopkins with the patients we see with Dr. McFarlane, is about uh, only 30% of times we are able to get uh, a positive sample. We are able to get uh, the fluid uh, when we aspirate them. And uh, out of that, only 30% of time we get a positive report, uh, a positive culture. So ultimately, we end up with all the investigations being normal. Uh, most of the times are uh, the aspirations which we do in the patients is normal. So when we when when we are thinking whether 
to revise this patient in a single stage or a two stage, whether it's infected, we have not isolated an organism. So it's a big uh, question mark uh, in the diagnostic process. So with that thought, what we what we uh, looked at is MRI is not really being evaluated uh, for the cause of shoulder arthroplasty to evaluate whether uh, whether they whether they show us if it's infection or not. Uh, with that, we conducted this uh, prospective study uh, at Johns Hopkins University, where we recruited uh, all the patients who have uh, painful shoulder arthroplasty and most of other uh, signs and symptoms and investigations were normal. So they, they underwent uh, a metal artifact reduction MRI sequence uh, at our institute. And uh, we followed these patients for a period of uh, one year. Uh, we had we, we did the study between 2015 and 2019, and we could get 89 uh, patients to be enrolled and who had a clinical follow-up of one year. Uh, two of our senior musculoskeletal radiologists evaluated the mass MRI sequences of these patients uh, at an interval of uh, two months, uh, which was enough to have the washout interval period. Uh, what we found, uh, and we compared that with the reference standard uh, of PSI, which is the International Consensus Meeting 2018 criteria. Uh, out of out of that, we found, we we categorized the patients as infected if they had if they were if they classified as definite PSI, if they classified as uh, probable, possible, or unlikely PSI, they were categorized as non-infected. Or after a period of one year, they still did not they did not undergo another surgery for infection that is when we understood that that is when we categorize them as not infected uh, the results uh, what which we found with this study was that the uh, interreader uh, and uh, interreader and intrareader reliability uh, was uh, good to excellent uh, for all the findings of mass mri which we evaluated uh, three particular findings in mass mri which were highly suggestive of infection were lymphadenopathy complex joint effusion, and edematous synovitis, which had sensitivities and specificities of over 85%. And the presence of all of these three findings of axillary lymphadenopathy, complex joint effusion, and edematous synovitis had a probability of infection of over 99%. So with this particular study, we had the, the limitations of the study mainly are that we have limited numbers, which was uh, 22 in the infected group uh, against 2067 in the non-infected group. But we are talking about a single institution study done by a senior veteran surgeon who has done this PSS for over five years. So this is uh, these are this is this these numbers are small, but they are realistic numbers for a study done at five for five years. Uh, results which we found with this study is that uh, the mass MRI seems to be to have utility in the diagnosis uh, of uh, periprosthetic shoulder infection up to up to as high as ninety nine percent. But this, the limitation of the study is small numbers. And also the fact that uh, a very uh, specialized CMAX sequence of Mars MRI was used uh, to, perform, uh, to perform these MRIs in these patients. And also senior musculoskeletal radiologists evaluated this. With this background, I think Mars MRI could be very, very useful uh, in the future. And more studies are needed in this, uh, uh, in this area. Hmm, very interesting. Carlos, when you hear about doing a special MRI with a special metal artifact reduction sequence. Uh, what, what do you think about uh, the study these people did? Um, uh, first of all, I just want to congratulate them because I, I think that we all need uh, uh, tools to help us 
in the diagnosis of these complex cases. Uh, probably, uh, I think it's, it's really interesting. Uh, what I thought when I read the paper, uh, when I read the abstract, is uh, do you think that uh, uh, just by knowing that all the patients included uh, were potentially infected, this can make like a bias in uh, in the radiologist reading the MRI. I mean, uh, it's, it's not that any uh, a patient without uh, any pathology was included. So all of them you knew that were probably infected patients. Do you think because uh, what you suggest that is more sensitive after the regression analysis uh, seems to me a little bit um, uh, something that can be found in, in, in different uh, pathologies? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I think, uh, our, especially for this, the, this particular study, the radiologists were blinded to all the clinical findings uh, of the patients uh, before they evaluated the MRI. Uh, the first time and the second time uh, when they when they reevaluated these uh, patients was after two months. So for the for the purpose of this study, we made sure that our uh, radiologists were not really aware of the clinical findings, so they were blinded. Uh, in that sense, uh, uh, I mean, this is as good as it could get when it comes to blinding of the observers and readers uh, in order to influence their mind. In clinical practice, uh, of course, uh, the radiologists can have some uh, you know clinical findings which. Uh, which they get from the notes of the patients that uh, what the patient has. I think that is only contributory instead of instead of being a bias. I think it contributes to the decision that, okay, patient has these particular uh, symptoms which could correlate with the radiological findings. I hope that can answer your question. Hmm. Maybe just to get that correctly, because this is something I also didn't really understand. So the 22 people who were categorized as infected, like really infected, did you know that upon just a pre-operative score used with the ICM criteria or did you do revision surgery on all of them and you collected specimen and you cultured them and there were bacteria and there was histological proof of infection? No, so all these patients, uh, if, you, if you consider all of this, uh, 22 patients, uh, they were most of them, which uh, all of them actually had a surgery. But the point in which their mass MRI was, was taken, of course, was before the surgery. And then uh, 22 of these infected patients had a surgery. But even in non-infected group, there were some patients who had a surgery and there were some patients who did not have a surgery. So uh, it, is, it was really ambiguous if you, if you say that uh, it's not like only uh, patients in the infected group were operated. Patients in non-infected group also had a surgery. Patients in non-infected group uh, either had a single stage surgery. There were some patients who even had a two-stage surgery because uh, we did not really know if the patients were infected or not. Of course. At that particular point of time. And uh, that is actually the beauty. That is actually the beauty of this mass MRI when you look at, and that point of time, we did not have ICM criteria when the study was done in 2018. Uh, sorry, uh, until 2019. When we started the study in 2015, we had uh, the, the knowledge which we have today about differentiating uh, uh, the periprosthetic shoulder infection, especially with, Q, uh, with C. acnes or uh, uh, lower virulence organism, which comes, uh, which presents really ambiguously, we did not really know if they were infected or not. Uh, so in that setting, I would say that there was, uh, there was perhaps, uh, there was no bias when we were operating the patients. There was, 
definitely categorization at the time of the analysis uh, uh, of the of the study. Of course, uh, that's clear that the Mars MRI was done before any surgery, but uh, the question was that the twenty-two were definitive infected. That's the that's the point. Yes, but we did not know they were definitive infection before uh, we could not know because ICM only published in 2019 and um, yeah, before that we did not know whether they infected or not. Yeah, maybe um, uh, Dr. Fritz, as radiologists, um, this technique sounds really um, fascinating. Is this something anybody with an MRI machine can do or what are the special requirements on this? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question, and that's uh, one of the uh, critical factors we think the study results hinge upon. So, yes, this is not a proprietary technique in a sense that it's only available at our institution. It's commercially available. It's FDA approved. It's CE labeled. So, um, technically, everyone that has an MR scanner and has the pulse sequence available uh, can do that. Um, back in the days. Uh, it was a prototype which we um, developed and helped invent at Johns Hopkins, but it's a product now and it's available. However, there are vendor specifications, um, so not each vendor has the same advanced uh, metal artifact reduction uh, sequence package. And um, um, as we mentioned before, it's the CMAX sequence that is critical uh, to reduce the metal artifacts from the shoulder implants to a degree where you can see the periprosthetic soft tissues. And that's a critical factor. So I think um, where the, 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 the question rightfully uh, directs to is um, that the generalizability of the study results hinges upon using this technique. And so I think um, we believe the study results will be different if you were to use a basic metal artifact reduction technique that is not fully able to reduce the metal artifacts of different shoulder orthoplasty implants. As you know, there's different types with different alloys and different um, uh, configurations and shapes. And so this will also make a difference. Mm -hmm. So that means you cannot scan every implant with the same protocol. Yes, you can. So this protocol is the uh, most potent metal artifact reduction uh, that's available. Uh, to us for MRI, and that's the reason why it works. It, it is a one-fits-all protocol, but if you were not to use this protocol and you were to use a quote-unquote basic protocol without the advanced metal artifact reduction, um, your results will almost certainly vary. So we have uh, in, the pub, in the paper that's going to be published soon, um, we have a very detailed table which lists all the pulse sequence parameters so that it can be reproduced at any institution that uh, wants to use that, that technique. But your, your question is right on the point. It, it has to be this technique. So maybe I can ask this question to uh, Professor McFarland. So uh, you as the, uh, the head of the shoulder department at Johns Hopkins, are you using uh, Mars MRI now in every infection? <clears throat> yeah, well, the value, I think one of the values of the study is that it shows that with the proper sequencing, uh, that you can actually get the information that you need. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, one of the questions is whether it's something that should be done in every patient or not. I think uh, the beauty of it is that um, I think it has a really good uh, accuracy uh, so that it not only sort of rules infections in, it rules them out. Uh, so that, uh, and I would agree with uh, Dr. Fritz that we send patients sometimes to the outside who get Mars MRI studies with 
sequences that aren't as specialized, uh, we, the, the results are really not very good and not very helpful. And so the beauty of this particular sequence is that it shows us things that the other sequences don't, such as uh, the gives you a better appreciation for the effusion, for soft tissue edema, for uh, lymph node swelling, all those kinds of things. Uh, the other important thing also that uh, I think we should emphasize is that these are very experienced musculoskeletal radiologists. And so I think any future studies will need to figure out if uh, this is something that's requires special expertise or can be applied to everybody. Uh, and um, so I think it's another thing in our armamentarian, uh, armamentarian to uh, determine if someone is infected or if they're loose or if they have a fracture. This uh, technology has a, a great way of uh, adding to our knowledge of not only making infection diagnosis, but ruling it out. Carlos, um, I give you just uh, uh, one point, and that's low-grade infections. I mean, low-grade infections, we have so many of them in the shoulders. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, that's the, um, that's the pivotal uh, uh, things. No? You know, a heart infection, you can see that pretty easy, but a low-grade infection, you don't see it on the, uh, on, in the laboratory parameters. You don't see that maybe in clinics, but still there's pain and so on. Um, what do you think? Would that be something for us? Morris MRI ruling out low-grade infections? Uh, 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 I, I hope that it will help us because uh, uh, what I'm afraid of is that sometimes you have many different tools and all of them just don't agree and you have, let's say, a, a clinical pain and stiffness but the lab is negative and then maybe the MRI is positive and then maybe another test is negative and then you just don't know what to do at the end because uh, nothing is, is uh, uh, gluing. So uh, uh, I think that probably is, is, is a good way and is a hope that uh, with this uh, MRI uh, we can uh, detect these low-grade infections. But uh, up till now I think that there are really few publications on it. I think that when you asked me to be here with you, I ran through PubMed and I saw very few publications, uh, uh, mostly on hip surgery. So I think that we have to wait a little bit, but it's, it's uh, something that uh, I will follow. Mm, absolutely. I, I really agree. And I really want to thank all the authors for this uh, beautiful study. Maybe uh, Dr. Fritz, one uh, radiological question. If you could give our listeners who are mostly shoulder sur surgeons a take-home message from a radiological point of view, what would that be? Yeah, so, so I think in a, in a big picture concept, what we're, what we're seeing now is, and you have uh, explained this in the beginning, that MRI is helpful for septic joints. And so far, the roadblock was that um, the metal artifacts were preventing MRI from being used in um, arthroplasty patients. And so technologically, we have advanced first in the hip and knee and ankle arthroplasty implants to now reduce the metal artifacts to a degree where we have um, diagnostically sufficient image quality. And uh, our study shows that this can also be applied to the shoulder. 
So in many ways, what we're showing is that the same principles that apply in native joints uh, apply interestingly, uh, surprisingly well also for arthroplasty implant patients. And so um, similar, our practice here in the US uh, for other joints, as mentioned, you know, hip specifically, but also knee and ankle, um, uh, the algorithms clinically to work up these patients uh, often now include MRI as you would in a, in a native joint. And I think that's the big picture where we're moving that um, these MRI is almost um, uh, hopefully equally useful than a native joint. We need more data. That's very correct. But technologically, we have advanced there. And it will take some time, I think, to you know, adopt and gain clinical experience with that. But here at NYU, our hip and knee and also ankle surgeons utilize uh, the metal reduction MRI in the workup of infected patients or also, you know, post-arthroplasty pain that's unexplained. And what we have not shown in our study is that it's not only the infection uh, signs that we find, which has an interestingly well-defined set of abnormalities that when you have them as a group, they amount to high accuracy. We often see other uh, findings that um, then later seem to be the most plausible pain generator that may be not be seen on radiographs or may not be overt in clinical exam or labs or even CT. Hmm, wonderful. And uh, Dr. McFarland, in your department, um, if there's a, a patient where every other parameter is normal, the only pathological thing would be the Mars MRI. Would you do revision surgery on a patient just upon a positive Mars MRI? Well, I have to say that I have great faith in uh, Mars MRI. It's been very accurate in our experience. And, uh, yeah, I, I think obviously uh, I don't think we had uh, many false positives. And, um, you know, I think if uh, someone has findings, the findings that were delineated in this study, Yeah, I would, and they have pain, I would most certainly uh, operate on them. And usually when you, usually when they have this positive of an MRI, they have positive uh, histology at the time of surgery, which is good because you have a, a time zero uh, event, you know. Um, and um, uh, as you know, uh, one stage is not as popular in the United States as it is in Europe. Uh, but uh, I think if there was a question, I would two-stage it without without, uh, I, I wouldn't hesitate if the Mars MRI was consistent with that and the histology was consistent with it. Yeah, I may, I may, I may add in my clinical experience and NYU that happens as well. So what we sometimes see now is in other joints, we're starting the shoulder, but, um, if the MRI is positive, um, they may opt to go straight for revision surgery and, um, skip the, you know, aspiration and, um, take the samples in the OR and don't, you know, don't, don't wait on scheduling and, uh, and microbiology. Hmm. That's very interesting. Carlos, that sounds to me like this Mars MRI uh, with a, a CMAC sequence. Is that right? CMAC sequence. This sounds to be uh, going to be a little like a new standard for um, infection workup in shoulder arthroplasty. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Since we don't have any other uh, uh, specific uh, study that help us, I, I, I think that absolutely it will. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of ideas have come to me during this conversation. So 
uh, I, I just like to thank uh, these guys for this study because I think that has uh, given a lot of light in, in, for our work. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for presenting your work to our audience and to the European Society for Shoulder and Elbow Surgery. Many thanks to uh, the authors of this uh, study and my, my thanks go now to uh, uh, here Dubai. One is in London, the other one is in New York and the other one is in Barcelona. This is a really international uh, podcast session, I have to say. So many thanks to all of you and I hope to see you soon on uh, one of our next international meetings. Thank you very much. We'll be there. Thank you so much. Uh, I just want to. Uh, I just want to say that uh, this study is coming up in JBGS very soon. So anyone who's interested can have a full-fledged uh, kind of exposure to what the study is about, what exactly the sequence has been used, and we look forward to more interaction about this over emails or ResearchGate or anywhere. And we are. Uh, we'll, we would like to extend our knowledge to what we have learned uh, with the world. Thank you so much. This was another SESEC podcast with the title Can Metal Artifact Reduction Sequence Magnetic Resonance Imaging, so-called MARS MRI, help in the diagnosis of periprosthetic shoulder infection? Today with the authors Prashant Meshram, who is now at the Ortocure Medical Center in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, and Professor Edward McFarland, who is the director of the Division of Shoulder Surgery at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland, USA, and uh, Associate Professor Jan Fritz uh, from the Radiology Department and Head of Musculoskeletal Imaging at NYU Langone Health in New York, USA. And of course, my SESEC expert today, Professor Carlos Torrens from the Hospital del Mar in Barcelona in Spain. And uh, my name is Robert Hudek. I'm a shoulder and elbow surgeon from Hamburg in Germany. And I hope you like the program because we have some more hot topics to cover soon on this SESAC podcast. I uh, hope to see you soon and uh, have a nice day. Bye bye. <laughs>